Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Osband. Here with my friend, Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Ketubot, daf Sadi Chet, page 98. So before we get to the next Mishnah, we have an interesting question here that Rabbi asked, uh, the son of Rabbi asked of Rabbi Yosef. Shlach le Rabbi Bereit, the Rabbi le Rabbi Yosef. Mocher shalob b'beitin, sri chashvua, oh, in sri chashvua. And so the question basically is, uh, a woman who sells, a widow who sells her late husband's property, not in a court, which remember the mission said under certain circumstances, you could sell it not in a court, right? Does she need to take an oath or does she not need to take an oath? The oath being that she only took from the sale of the property what she was owed. And this will actually relate to the next Mishnah. Um, and he answers back, Rav Yosef, right? He says, no, really what you should have asked is, is if prior to the sale, does she need to make a public announcement in order to publicly assess the value of the property? Amar so he says to him, Rava says back to him, I'm not asking a question about a public announcement. Rabbi Zera said in the name of Nachman, a widow who assesses property for herself, Right, and then takes the property according to the value of the calculation she makes, she accomplished nothing, meaning she's not allowed to make the assessment. Hey, so what are the circumstances? If they made a public announcement about that the property was for sale, then why is it that she didn't do anything? Rather, no. It's that she didn't make a public announcement. And therefore, since it wasn't in some type of public domain to make sure that the property was assessed appropriately, it's like she didn't do anything and the sale was void. But if she sold it to somebody anyways, the action is still effective. Would it still be effective even if she didn't make this public announcement? So then the Gemara says, no. No, the case is always that they made a public announcement. Right? And where they said to her, who assessed it for you? So the point is that the sale is announced publicly, but they didn't. She. The question is, who actually assessed the value of the property? So they bring a case that's similar to this, where there was a man who someone deposited corals that belonged to some orphans with him. Um, he assessed them, and he said they were four hundred dinars. Later on. They appreciated in value. They actually were worth 600. And um, so he went to Rav Ami um, and he said to him, Man right? So, sorry, he went to Rav Ami with the question, which was basically, does he get the profit or not? He was watching it. He assessed it at 400. So in his mind, he owed these orphans 400 dinar. The coral ends up being 600. And for the orphans. And so Rav Ami says back to him, who assessed it for you. In other words, you weren't really allowed to assess it yourself. So it's like that sale or that acquisition that you had from the orphans actually never took place. The point is, is that you can't do your own assessment in a sale. And therefore the Gemara concludes that really in this case where the widow who doesn't sell, sorry, her property in a Beitin, she needs to take a shvua. She doesn't have to make a public announcement, but there has to be by which we make sure that she's sort of accountable for how the sale went down. And that process is shvua and not actually public announcement. 
Now, the Kabards doesn't give an actually a very good example. Uh, doesn't really explain well why that's their conclusion, but that's sort of the conclusion they come to at the end. It, maybe it is that having to do things publicly just would have gotten too complicated or making sure she didn't do the assessment. So the easier way to deal with it is she goes out and sells it, and then she has to go to the painting, and then she just makes a show. And that's sort of, I think it's just a much simpler way to allow for these types of sales. I'm going to go on to the Mishnah. Um, and we have here, you know, it starts out looking straightforward, and then it gets a little more complicated. So we have here a widow whose ketubah was worth 200 dinar, meaning when she got married, her ketubah was 200 dinar. So she sells a property that is worth a hundred dinar. Oh, or she sells it that it's going to be worth two hundred. So at that point, when she gets that money, right the the money for the sale, that's considered her ketuba, right? She can't ask for anything more. It's it's um. It's not the time of a ketuba that was a set-aside object, right? It's the value. And in this case, she's got the value. And that's why, that's how I can say with confidence that this is not a set-aside object to be the ketuba. Rather, the ketuba is the value. And the Mishnah's statement that she's done, she's gotten her ketuba, is the proof, right, that she was getting it from the value, you know, whatever the value was. What happens if her ketuba was only worth 100 dinar to begin with? So now she sells a property that's worth 100 dinar and a dinar for 100 dinar. So what happens? She sells a property that does not, she's selling property that does not belong to her. So this, it doesn't count. She's not allowed to do that. Meaning the moment that she's selling it for more than the 100 dinar, even just by one extra dinar, then her whole transaction is considered void because even if she assures, you know, whatever powers that be, that she'll give that money back to the heirs, it doesn't matter. The transaction cannot take place on more than she's entitled to. So Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says that really he disagrees here with the Tanakhama here, right? And he says, no, the sale is going to be valid, even if it was an extra dinar over, meaning it's not considered an invalid sale unless there would actually be a, an error that would be um, such a big problem that if there had been no error, then the field in that area, that the area required for sowing um, to plant the nine calf of seed, meaning that's considered like the smallest amount of land that you could actually say that's a farmland, like that's enough to work the land. And then the orphans, at least theoretically, could come and say that they're not willing to give up that land because it belongs to them and because they're going to be able to use it and so on. But if the error meaning in this case, right, one dinar is w less than that nine, than land worth nine kav of seed, then all she has to do is give it back to the Yatomim and that's considered sufficient, meaning it hasn't messed with the sale because it's not a worthwhile enough amount to begin with to, to be able to invalidate the sale, to say that really she's gone too far. 
And the answer, according to Rabbi Shemagel Gamliel, is she hasn't gone too far. She made a mistake. She'll she'll pay it back. So in different, you know, different areas, it's going to be a different uh, measure, right? In the case of a garden, then again, it doesn't have to be nine kav, right? But a half a kav of seed, because that would be the smallest size of garden, meaning like a, a personal garden, right? That you're sowing your vegetables and your flowers and whatever, right? Or, um, Rabbi Kiva says that the smallest area that you could say is worth worth planting is a quarter cup of seed as opposed to the view that said a half cup of seed. So the fact is these these views kind of, at least in this section, right, they line up to say whatever that measurement is, there is a, a leeway to say that if she's, if an error has been made, she can fix it by paying back the atonement and she doesn't, and she does not have to worry that the whole transaction has been voided. I talk to Bata, we're going Ketuba was worth 400 dinar. That's quite a bit more than usual. So now, again, her Ketuba is worth 400 dinar. She sells property to this guy for 100 dinar and for a different guy for 100 dinar. And then to a third guy, she finally sent you know, so on, right? Meaning she's dividing up the property. She's for the amount that is worth the equivalent of the tuba. And the last one is 100 dinar plus one, 101 dinar, when it really was only worth 100 dinar. That's how much she's got left to be val- evaluated against the tuba. So this position says, or this cat, this little section of the Mishnah says, that last sale is void. The other ones are fine. Right, meaning because what happens is she's basically charging below market value in such a way that is not fair, but the other ones are all valid because they were sold for the correct price. Okay, meaning like we have here, um, I don't, I'm not sure that this is an earth-shattering case, except for that it really does show the the um, extent to which you can evaluate. You know, we start off with the case of 200 dinar, we go to the case of 100 dinar, which surely was you know relevant in terms of people. Who, are, who had been married once before, who are now getting married again, that's going to be their ketubah. And in this case, the case of a 400 dinar means that somebody, that the husband added to the baseline. Okay. So the thing is, though, that the Gemara does not like this mission at all. It says, <laughs> really, because it doesn't really, it's, 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 what's the difference? Like the bottom line is, what's the difference between matayim you know, 200, 100, 400, like we've got some principles here, right? So it doesn't, the mission just doesn't make sense as far as the Gemara is concerned. And the Gemara makes that very clear. Let's leave the Aramaic, but this is the word, right? So what happens here? The Gemara says, you know, we've got this Allah in the Mishnah that says that if she's selling her property for 200 dinar, but she's selling, you know, she's piece, she's sending, selling it off in piecemeal, right? So then how is it that she's, you know, to begin with, how can you say that that's not, she can't get the, the ketubah, right? What's the difference if she's selling property that's worth 200 dinar, she's selling it for 100 dinar, when really you want to say that that's her entire ketubah, the heirs could come to her and say, 
you made yourself lose out because you got less from the estate, right? You know, you got your entire ksuba from the estate, but you sold it in a messed up way. So you didn't get the full value that you were supposed to get for your ksuba. So then why then when the, when the mission gives us the case that she sells the property, a property that is worth a hundred dinar, but she sells it for 200 dinar. then how come she can't go back to the heirs and say, well, look, I made money off of it, but I only got the value from the, estate for a hundred dinar, I should be able to get another hundred dinar. Meaning I feel like, you know, talk about spinning spinning in circles, right? The the values here um really make the the relationship here between the widow to the property to the heirs very convoluted. Um and the Gemara goes on to kind of try to pull this apart. And it doesn't do it well, but we'll see if maybe you get to a better <laughs> conclusion by tomorrow. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.